Welcome to Classically Current, where we review new films every week and link them together with classic films of the past. With your host, Zach and Kyle. Welcome back once again to our show. I know we haven't been back for a little while here. It's been about two weeks or so. We've had a lot of things going on in our personal lives that have kept us from recording, but we're back at it today with Godzilla vs. Kong, a much-anticipated Clash of the Titans movie. And so we'll be talking about... You know, talking about the director profile is, again, the movie background, the budget, the box office, uh, critical information, and also some fun facts as well. But if you're new to the show, that's what we do. We talk about a lot of different things related to the production of the movie, as well as some fun facts and behind-the-scenes information. But without further ado, thank you guys once again for joining us this episode of Classically Current, and let the podcast begin. Godzilla vs. Kong is a 2021 American monster film directed by Adam Wingard. It is a sequel to both the Godzilla King of the Monsters and Kong Skull Island that came out in 2017. It is the fourth film in Legendary's Monsterverse. It is also the 36th film in the Godzilla franchise, which spans decades. The 12th film in the King Kong franchise, and also the fourth Godzilla film to be completely produced by a Hollywood studio. The film stars Alexander Skarsgård, Millie Bobby Brown, Rebecca Hall, Brian Tyree Henry, Isa Gonzalez, Julian Dennison, Kyle Chandler, and Damian Bashir. And in the film, Kong clashes with Godzilla as humans lure the ape into the hollow earth to retrieve an energy source to stop Godzilla's mysterious rampages. Let's get into the director profile, and Kyle is going to talk about Adam Wingard. What information do you have on him, Kyle? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Adam Wingard. Uh, he was born December 3, 1982. He's an American filmmaker. Um, you may notice some of the other films that he's done here that he has on his resume. Um, I believe one of his first ones was Your Next, came out in 20. This says 2011, but I don't know that it actually came out until around 2013, 2014, at least in a U.S. release, because I remember um, seeing this movie my senior year of college, and it was pretty relatively new. And I remember thinking that it, uh, you know, kind of was an interesting take kind of on this, like, almost like it's like a clue game turned like slasher film. But uh, it was, yeah, it's kind of interesting uh, for, you know, a first-time filmmaker. But um, there's other movies in here as well, like The Guest, uh, Blair Witch, Death Note, uh, that came out a few years back that I don't think was very popular among amongst actual Death Note fans. Um, and then this one, Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, and he's actually going to be directing and co-writing 
a sequel to the John Travolta Nicolas Cage movie Face Off that came out back in 97. Right, uh, because, you know, now is the time to remake every single famous <laughs> popular thing in the 90s. I got to so say though, I got to say though, um they're really stretching it. I mean, Face Off <laughs> I don't really, that just didn't seem like one that would pop up in your mind to say, hey, let's remake this. Well, yeah, it's just like they're, they're trying to find any little thing that might have an audience in the in the 90s, and then they're shoving it in our faces this whole decade. So we got to get used to it. And you know what? That might be an interesting one, and we'll probably talk about that one when it comes out. We'll kind of do, uh, we'll have to watch Face Off again, and then revisit the, and revisit Face Off, and then look Dude, at the new one but how hilarious yeah. would it be if john travolta and nicholas cage were both in it this second time? <laughs> like those are two careers that have just died like in the last five ten years that you just i mean you just don't see those guys in anything that's good anymore well there's more like independent stuff that uh, nicholas cage has been in that has you know with mandy which is more like a kind of a grimy it's more of like a I, don't know, I never saw the actual film, but it looked kind of violent and more more of a serious type of violent. I don't movie, know if but... John Travolta ever is ever gonna get over the fanatic though. I mean that is a big <laughs> hurdle to overcome. He likes to he likes to go all out, man. He likes to go over the top sometimes with his characters and uh, the and fanatic is, is gonna be a cult that is classic for us right? to enjoy for years. We really should talk about the fanatic. <laughs> we, we need should to watch we should it review, review that. Oh man, there's a special oh. fanatic uh, movie review. We'll have to do that. But I feel like uh, let, Zach. I feel like that movie. If we did a review on that movie, it, that episode would go on for hours. I mean, there's just probably. so much to talk about in that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'd have to we'd have to like do a Snyder cut version. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sink it down into four hours of, uh, of four parts. Yeah, four, but uh, it'll be a mini series. <laughs> a mini series of podcasts on the fanatic that would yeah. be good. But you know, get moving on, Kyle, because you know my first experience with Adam Wingard was the guest, and I actually quite liked that movie that came out with uh, Dan Steve. Not Dan Stevens is that his name. I think it's Dan Stevens. That movie, I that was my first experience with Adam Wingard in the 2014 film of The Guest, and I really liked that, so I was interested to see what he could do here with Godzilla vs. Kong. But moving on, the project was actually announced in October of 2015 when the Legendary announced plans for a shared cinematic universe between Godzilla and King Kong. And so the film's writer's room was assembled in March 2017, and Wingard was announced as the director in May 2017. And, of course, they began the actual principal photography in November of 2018 in Hawaii, Australia, and Hong Kong, as you'll see in the film. It kind of jumps around different places. And it wrapped up in April of 2019. And then after being delayed from November 2020 release date due to the pandemic, of course, Godzilla vs. Kong was theatrically released internationally on March 21st, 2021, and, of course, simultaneously on HBO Max. Yeah, but that didn't start until March twenty, March thirty first. So international was a week before, HBO Max, and then theaters in America was March thirty first. So it it was kind of cool because Godzilla was something that I believe started more in the Asian community. They had a lot of 
I mean, like we said, there's like 30-some Godzilla movies, and then yes. there's some King Kong movies, and I've always been a fan of King Kong as far back as, uh, not the original, I haven't really seen the original, but I'm talking more about Peter Jackson's King Kong in 2005, Five. I think it was, Yep. and uh, I watched that three times in the theaters, and I enjoyed it every time, and so this one is obviously different, uh, you know, Peter Jackson's was three hours plus long, and it was a little more bloated, and it was like, yeah, um, yeah, it was a little more. So that was serious, definitely a little bit longer. I guess you could say. Yeah, and, and then God, the Godzilla one that, um, the one that came out a few years back with the the one with Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston. Um, oh yeah, one, we I saw mean, that was, in the theaters, twenty fourteen. Did we see that I together? Twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen? I know, I know, that. I saw it in the theaters. I couldn't remember who I saw it with, but yeah, okay, so yeah, it was. With you and and that one is a little more of a slow burn. Like, yeah, uh, it it takes a while. It's kind of almost a, just an origin story. It's like reinvigorating the the origin story of Godzilla, and then yeah, it just slowly kind of like rises to you know where we actually see Godzilla in the movie. And but uh, this one's a little different on that on that level. Um, well, yeah, it's kind of it's a part of the MonsterVerse, and I think it started in that 2013, 2014 film, and then they kind yeah. of, you know, added things in with Godzilla, King of the Monsters, and Kong Skull Island, and so it's it's interesting what they've been able to do with this franchise. And uh, Kyle, let's see how successful this one has been, as you know, the pandemic has been making a lot of new releases delayed and not making them profitable. But what do you have to say about the box office? For this film yeah so i mean like with these new monsterverse movies uh, i think that's kind of it's another fad that it, uh, the movies are going in and uh you know uh you've got companies spending more and more money on the, these franchises uh looks like the budget for this one's around 160 to 200 million is kind of the estimate on that for their budget and uh, as of march 31st 2021 within uh, godzilla's versus Kong's first week, uh, it's grossed $9.6 million in the United States and Canada and $123.1 million in other territories for a worldwide total of $132.7 million. That's all within the first uh, week, I believe. So it's very popular just throughout. I wouldn't even say United States and Canada. It doesn't, it doesn't sound like it's its even biggest market. Well, yeah, I've been hearing that this is the most successful box office draw of the pandemic. So as of right now, it was over $357 million in the worldwide box office, which is huge. People are actually starting to go back to the theaters for what they want to see. So, and they want to see Godzilla beat up Kong for you know under two hours. So it's uh, it's encouraging that the box office numbers will hopefully continue to rise as people start going back to theaters and things start opening up again. You know, and it's on a, what is it, $150, $160 million budget about. So it's not yeah. bad so yep. far. And then, of course, HBO Max, it's on there as well, so people can get to it. And then maybe um, Warner will also get more subscribers because of this film as well. But overall, it's a smashing success in COVID-19 pandemic. Yep terms it yeah know. it's successful in the box office um what do the critics have to say about uh this movie well it's a 
surprising, Kyle, because a lot of these Godzilla and Kong movies, they don't always do very well with the critics, necessarily. And I think Kong does better than the Godzillas, generally. But mm -hmm. they, uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's at 79% with 206 critic reviews. The 206 critics gave the film a positive review. So a lot of people reviewed this on that site uh, with an average of 6.5 out of 10. The website's critic consensus reads, delivering squarely on its title, Godzilla vs. Kong swats away character development and human drama to, to deliver all the spectacle and you'd expect from giant monsters slugging it out. And yeah. Metacritic assigned it a 61 out of 100 based on 47 critics and the indicating generally favorable favorable reviews and it got an a on the cinema score as well so fans seem to like it and i think the fan rating on rotten tomatoes is pretty good as well if i remember right it looks like it is currently 92 percent fan rating on rotten tomatoes so yeah. people who did watch it really liked it so i hope people check it out more if you have it of if you have hbo max or if you have wanting to go check it out in the theater that would be even better experience but but yeah, overall, pretty good result with the critics as well, which is hard to do. Yes, yep, kind of successful on both levels there. Uh, why don't we jump into a couple Did You Know segments? So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about a couple interesting facts that happened uh, kind of behind the scenes of this movie or just interesting facts about the movie itself. Um, Zach, I'll start. Did you know that when the trailer premiered, the Godzilla and King Kong fan site, Wikizilla as it is known, went offline just due to the sheer amount of traffic on the site generated by the trailer? Oh, wow. So people were that enthusiastic about this movie that they were willing to like go on the site yeah consistently to like basically crash the whole thing down that's crazy you know it's it's interesting to me because it seems like uh there's like kind of this slow shift that's going from you know like the superhero films and we're getting into more of like kind of these villain films so the villain origin story i think people want to see that side of it too and i think that the it's just as much uh fandom going on there as there was for the uh, superhero films so yeah right interesting how that's yeah. taking place it well yeah in this movie kyle did you know that i don't know if you watched kong skull island but there is a post credit scene in that film and it was teasing godzilla versus kong's bat clash of the titans battle in that post credit scene in the in that kong skull island i need to revisit that one because i have haven't seen it in a while uh, but that one is uh from what i remember pretty entertaining as well they they know what the franchise is with these films they yeah. know that it's mainly about the monsters and you know, there's heroes, there's villains. A lot of times it's the humans that are the villains in these types of movies because uh, these are creatures that have their own animal instincts and need to do what they need to do. But that one, we'll have to revisit that one to, to check it out to even get more of appreciation for Godzilla vs. Kong. Yes. And that's also on HBO Max as well. Yeah, so check that out as well. Um, Zach, did you know that according to... The legendary studios, after they revealed the official heights of both Titans for their Monarch profiles, 
Godzilla stands at 393 feet tall. Wow. Which is the same height in Godzilla King of the Monsters, which came out in 2019. Meanwhile, Kong stands at 336 feet. This is the largest incarnation of Kong in history and both the largest American incarnation. It's the second largest overall uh, of Godzilla after the anime version uh, in Godzilla, Planet of the Monsters. So there's some wow. interesting uh, stats there for you to take into so account. It's largest, like, so it's the largest live action, I guess. Yeah, yeah, because ana- like anime, I mean, it's just animation, I guess. But uh, this is definitely, yeah, this is more live action. It's, so it's definitely more of a spectacle in that uh, aspect. Well, yeah, I never really thought of them to be that tall, but it makes more sense when you're like, because you, you're always watching them next to something, next to buildings, and it, you know, hearing those numbers, it just kind of brings the, um, the intensity and the, and the yeah, I mean, know, I mean, the think hugeness of, like, of these creatures. Think of roller coasters you've been on that are like over three hundred feet in height. Just oh the, yeah, just the sheer intensity of that. That's high yeah, up. You yeah. Know. Yeah, you could ride a roller coaster or you could ride on Godzilla's back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's basically the same. I think it'd be a little so more interesting. That's crazy. But, yeah. But uh, did you know, Kyle, that Adam Wingard confessed in an interview that during his childhood he felt identified with some of these monsters on numerous occasions? It is for this reason that he wanted to add more emotional elements to this film so that the public is invested with the stories not only by the humans but also of the monsters as well, which uh, you can you can tell he made an attempt to do that in this film. Which yeah, we'll talk about. But. Yep, I think so. Um, also, Zach, did you know Gia? Uh, I think that's how you say it. Uh, she is a deaf, uh, the deaf island girl that's portrayed by Kaylee Hoddle, who is from an actually an all deaf family. So wow, yeah, that's that's an interesting little tidbit there for you but uh, she no, is actually from that. an all deaf family yep she does it extremely well i'll give her that <laughs> that yeah it kind of helps what it's actually it looks natural yeah yeah i mean it would take a lot of training to be that good but but kyle yeah those are our did you knows for this segment here without further ado let's just talk about the movie talk about what we liked and dislike in this section of our review re- of our in this section of our show we're going to talk about first to worst so we're talking about the things we enjoyed and what we liked about the movie and then talk about things maybe didn't work so well for us but let's just without further ado let's get into it Kyle, why don't you just start off and talk about your positives for this movie? Well, you know, Zach, I think that overall this movie um, is actually kind of impressive on a visual level. Um, The way it looks, I mean, even with all the CGI, I thought um, it almost reminded me of like uh, not necessarily a Pixar, but like kind of an animated, you know, a modern day animated movie and their use of colors throughout uh, just the uh, 
I thought that that was effective and it would looked good. And, uh, you know, it, I think it kind of surpassed my expectation on that level. Um, and I think it overall, it gives the fans what they want. Uh, you know, it kind of got to it, uh, didn't waste too much time on all the character development. It's like, we, we understand that, you know, there's a time and place for that. This movie, you don't, it's not as necessary. I feel like, so you kind of, they kind of get to the the meat and bones of this film and you see a lot of uh, good action throughout i thought the action sequences were uh well shot um, and well constructed and uh, yeah i think uh you get enough i i would say of uh you know a little emotional uh, pull here with uh, the gia the deaf girl and i think uh one of the big moments um I guess this could be a minor spoiler, Zach, but um, how they learn that she's able to communicate and with with Kong, and uh, there's kind of that kind of shock, and you know uh, that she's able to do that, and that they realize that he is also able to communicate a little bit with the humans. Um, right. That's yeah. I think that that. Uh, that scene kind of sticks out a little bit and um and i think to an extent as well i think it was probably the right decision to they have actors in this movie that are not um you know mainstays or they're not huge names you re you recognize a lot of these actors but i think they did the right thing and not putting too much focus into the actors themselves more into the actual monsters, Kong and Godzilla. And that, to me, is what worked out for this movie. And that's something, uh, it's a, another movie that we did recently, Tom and Jerry, that kind of got pushed to the wayside. This is a movie that was supposed to be about Godzilla and Kong, and it was. You didn't get that with Tom and Jerry. It kind of oh, felt that, like they were point. pushed into mm. the background, whereas, you know, you got the two monsters here that were utilized very much throughout. And I think that it was successful in that aspect. So those yeah, are my positives. I think that that's a great point. And it's well said. I mean, I think there's just more of a reverence to this material with Adam Wingard to this particular monster verse than with the creators of Tom and Jerry, I felt like in that direct in that picture that we watched and reviewed earlier, because I think this is as good as you could get for this type of movie, Kyle. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're able to create so much entertainment and value out of these, out of King Kong and Godzilla in under two hours. And really, it's only like an hour and 45 minutes. Yes. Because the credits come on around an hour and 45 minutes. And you're just like, wow, they're able to, you know, create. A story that was engaging with the enough with the human characters had enough emotional pull and emotional weight that they were able to use with this uh, deaf girl who was able to communicate with Kong like you were talking about and give and pull at your heartstrings a little bit there. Also, talk and you know I feel like with this type of movie we've seen a lot of these types of storylines play out with these kind of monster features, you know. Right. There's like some the Transformers like 
is comes to mind where they're all fighting against one another and it's always like the human as or there's always a human that's kind of getting involved and being more of the antagonist with these types of things uh with that or with like pacific rim it's always the humans that are getting in in the way and and that of course they get in the way of this film too and they're usually more the antagonist in this film as well which i feel like back in the day with the godzillas it was always godzilla being the the guy that's just there he's the villain he's the enemy we have to be thinking about but in this movie they're actually the protectors you know and they're the protectors in godzilla king of the monsters and they were protectors in godzilla the one we saw in 2013 or 2014 right and then kong skull island um we talked about that a little bit but I was impressed with the amount I was interested in the human characters in this movie compared to some of the other movies where it would just be all the the monsters but in this movie I felt like there was enough things that we that kept us interested and well there's some things I had some issues with but yeah. overall they did a good job with that and yeah. then you know they were able to tightly pace this film you don't really see the monsters doing any action until like 40 minutes in i actually counted and in that 40 minutes you know they were able to establish a lot of things in a small amount of time and yeah so, and i think uh, that speaks to, to the editing mm-hmm. i think that speaks to the overall editing of this film and that they were able to keep it concise and yet make um enough uh, dynamic characters to a point that it, I mean, at least it evokes an emotion out of you. Um, so right. I think that, uh, yeah, it just speaks to the editing that it kept it under two hours and uh, we're able to get out of it what they did. Yeah, and I wanted to just touch on the visuals again, like you were saying. They're actually, I mean, it's amazing how far they have come with CGI and creating all this imagery because you also have like a lot of different lighting effects too it's very colorful especially when they kind of get into the king kong the hong kong segments of the movie and it's just visually striking especially when they're going to hollow earth and there's these aerial shots of them kind of going between sequences in that film so adam wingard is able to create a lot of entertaining fight sequences with these characters too and it's all done, you know, a lot of this is all done, like, in post or, like, previs yeah. or they're, like, setting this up beforehand and they know kind of what they expect. But kudos to the team for this this uh, movie. And I'm just thankful that we have a King Kong Godzilla movie that's, you know, an hour and 45 minutes. And, it, and it's just everything is compacted into this short amount of time and it works and it just increases the rewatchability for it for me. But with that being said, Kyle, talk about maybe some of your gripes with the film. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, um, I was impressed by the CGI. Um, I guess if it's me though, I'm personally, I'm always going to prefer a little less if it, you know, just something where to where it's used, uh, minimally, and uh, so I don't know. I guess there are times where it just it feels just too uh, technical, too computerized, um, and just not enough, uh, you know, reality based. I guess yeah. I, with monsters, it's kind of hard to really create that. But um, I don't know. It, it's just something that I'll always be a fan of using less of. Like less is more, in in my opinion, in that sense. Um, uh, one other thing I was kind of thinking about was um, 
while we did talk about how this movie uh, they kept it concise and everything, I think it's it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So I think this movie is setting out to be entertaining and but I believe that it's also um, it's not really setting out to be anything beyond maybe something entertaining. Uh, it's it's something it's not going to be this sort of epic maybe that I feel like it, that we're talking about in five to ten years from now. I don't know that um, I see that I, it could be forgotten uh, within a few years when you get more and more of these types of movies. Um, but we'll see. Uh, it, I just think that it maybe it just limit limits itself a little bit in that aspect uh, to where, yeah, you're only you get what you want out of it. But um, it's not going to be yeah. like the Dark Knight. It's not going to be the Dark Knight for like monster movies. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that it's it's a blessing and a curse in kind of both of those areas like. Yeah, it kind of works for it here, but am I going to remember this a few years down the road? I don't know. Well, yeah, I think it'll just be one of those movies that you can pop in and not have to think too much and just enjoy the fight sequences between right. the two characters that you've been a fan of and you've been following for a long time. It's kind of cool that they've set up this monster verse and actually kind of like what they have done it's not like they're hitting you like one every year like marvel cinematic universe they're like okay this one's you know 2013 then they have one right. 2017 then they have one yeah uh, i think in but there's like kong skull island then they have godzilla king of the monsters and then they have this one i mean i think people may get tired of having too many of these because there's not a lot of room to expand but maybe they'll create some interesting way of keeping this franchise going i'm sure they will try as it has been pretty successful but yes i mean overall for me aside from this little uh deaf character that's in the movie communicating with kong and in even her uh, i guess it would be her caregiver or ta caretaker rebecca c hall i like their relationship there's really no interesting characters. Yeah. You have this conspiracy theorist hanging out with teenagers to you know, bring the teenagers in, keep them interested, and I guess. I feel... They do enough entertaining things, I guess, to keep people interested. But, I mean, there's just so much the suspension of disbelief when they're going through these highly secured facilities and yeah. just consistently weaving their way <laughs> to get to those places. It's just like completely ridiculous but Zach, you know it's uh one it's just one second on that yeah on that topic real quick um for, for me too on that was that um when there's a few characters throughout the film it it kind of felt like as the movie was progressing that i kind of forgot about a, a few of them and uh mm -hmm. it almost seems like uh the director adam wingard did too because uh i mean yeah that conspiracy theorist uh guy like I feel like he kind of phased out after maybe the first half of the film a bit to right. where you don't see and much of him. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know, just a couple other characters that I was like, oh, yeah, they're in this. I forgot. And I'm like, well, what? yeah, so I think you... a lot of that has to do with like them whittling down yes. like this film. And maybe it was like two and a half hours. Maybe there's more storylines that we didn't get to see. And maybe, and honestly, he was probably right to cut those because they probably weren't that interesting. Yeah. So maybe he uh, realized that. That's yeah. why. But you forget that purpose like, a little bit. 
what they're left with is just a very tightly paced movie that is getting to the what everybody wants to see quicker and more efficiently. So for me, as efficiency goes, this movie's really what all you would really need, all you would really want. There's some things that keep you interested throughout to get to these uh, fight sequences. Kong and Godzilla, of course, fighting. They're very entertaining, and that's what people come to see. So overall, for me, I would give this, I'd say this is a really good example of a sequel that you don't hardly have to think about it's like a good popcorn movie you can go and enjoy the action sequences so i give it an eight out of ten just because of what it was able to do in that you know short amount of time and keep i mean this is what's going to bring people back in the theaters as as well and people are uh, you know very impressed with this film so far and i think it's worthy of people seeing but what would you say kyle uh i'm gonna go 6.5 out of 10 um like i said i think it uh does work um it's efficient uh and it's entertaining and i just the the reason it's a little bit lower for me is just i wonder if i'm gonna remember this movie next year or if there's gonna be other films like this that come out and just kind of push it away you know i don't think there's necessarily anything about it that's gonna be memorable and i think that that's kind of why I am keeping it at that. But uh, yeah, that's mine. Yeah, and then talking about a classic movie that I would kind of pair with this one, I think of a lot of them, but I'm kind of whittling it down to, I feel like this is similar to like a Transformers where you have these human characters you really don't care about. You're just there to see the Transformers fighting yeah. and battling. Yeah. But there's more human element to this one than those do, so I'll give this more credit than that. And then also like Pacific Rim, where you where you have a lot of these creatures that are... It's basically a lot of inspiration that was taken for Pacific Rim from the Godzilla franchise, and they just kind of did their own kind of monster-verse with that. Yeah. And those characters aren't that interesting either, but they're able to make it work. Yeah. So in this film, I give it a little more credit than that. But that was also a stylish monster flick as well back then but. yeah well zach i think i gotta give him some uh nod to uh these other films uh where the villains are essentially competing against each other um so basically they were kind of the monsterverse before monsterverse existed here uh i have to say uh freddy versus jason or oh, yeah. uh alien versus predator uh, those are a couple movies that come to mind where you have the the kind of two villains here that are going against each other. And I don't even know that Kong is necessarily a villain in this movie, but um, he has been throughout. And it's uh, so I think the only difference here is maybe you don't see quite as much death or gore here as you do in those uh, other ones. But uh, yeah, just when you're kind of going with the theme of... Uh, one versus the other uh where they're blending uh different universes this is kind of those are the couple that come to mind right and before we get into our just one more thing segment i was just going to say that you don't really have to have seen these monsterverse movies to enjoy this one if you right. haven't seen godzilla king of the monsters kong skull island or just godzilla the 2013 one 
Uh, it has references to some of the things that have happened in those films, but overall, I feel like you're able to enjoy it without really knowing all that information. It's not like a Marvel Cinematic Universe where, you know, there's a lot of history that has been kind of referenced in like several films and you have to watch 20 films all of a sudden to catch up. No, yeah. this has like three films that they were kind of referencing a little bit. You don't have to watch them. You can enjoy this one and maybe re and go back and see those. They're all on HBO Max currently, so if you want to check them out, go ahead and Kong Godzilla vs Kong is still out in theaters right now if you want to check it out, but why don't we get into our just one more thing segment. Oh, oh, one more thing before I forget. Actually, uh, there is one thing. Oh, listen, one more thing. Oh. It just, it'll just take a second. Today for our Just One More Thing segment, we are just wanting to let everybody know that we are planning on reviewing Nomadland for next week's review in preparation for the Oscars that are coming up on April 24th, I believe it is. So we'll be talking about one of the Oscar favorites. Well, I think it's one of the more front-runner type movies as of right now. We'll see what ends up winning. But we're also planning on kind of going over our top 10 episodes of last year, or our top five movies of last year, and talk about which episodes were our favorites as well for people to check out. So if you guys uh, want to check out that, T stay tuned for next Monday at 10 a.m. for Nomadland. Anything else to add for just one more thing, Kyle? No, uh, just to go along with that, uh, yeah, we're kind of with the award season coming up. We kind of want to maybe focus on some of the award films that'll be coming out, and so we're excited to do a kind of a little awards thing of our own in our best podcast. If you think there is one, uh, yeah, but, uh, so yeah, I'm excited to get into that. That's really all for me. Sounds good. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to Classically Current. Stay tuned for our episode next week. If you like this, please be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so that you will never miss a show. If you found value in our show, we'd love it if you gave us a review so we can continue to grow and reach more enthusiastic movie fans in the future. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out as well. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, Classically Current Podcast, to receive updates on our show as well as vote on other films to review in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and as always, stay classy and stay current.